morning, everybody. Right. We're ready for a PowerPoint 2 to come up. Let's see if we're going with that. If you have a Bible, um, you might like to uh, turn to Mark chapter 4. Or you may just listen to the reading that I'll give and watch the images on the screen. This morning, I will speak on Jesus, his mission, and the gospel. Pretty straightforward. And we will read from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20, the whole of the parable of the sower and the seed. Now, Karen and I are going to be introducing you to Colin, if some of you don't know Colin read it, and the work that God began through her in India. I believe she exemplifies how Jesus taught us to become part of his mission, to sow the seed of the gospel and to make disciples. So we will give you a report on CMCT and the work Colling pioneered later. So Mark chapter 4, a reading from God's word. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good ground, good soil, it came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on a rocky place, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. 
But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now, eventually, I will answer the question as to why Jesus so often spoke and taught people using the type of stories that we call parables. But before answering that question, let's ask another question, important questions, a couple. Um, who is sowing the seed in this parable? Who is the farmer? Well, it is Jesus. He is the one telling the parable. He expected his disciples, his followers, to see that his work among them was seed sowing. And in verse 14, Jesus tells them, and us plainly, that the seed he is sowing is the word. It is the word of God. And that shows us how a person can come into be part of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God has finally arrived among them because Jesus has arrived. This is good news. It is actually the best news. It is the gospel, which simply means good news. It is good news of how we all may become connected with God and his eternal kingdom. The Gospel of Mark, from which this parable we're reading in the Gospel of Mark, it shows Jesus particularly in action. His miraculous deeds and his healing ministry reveal Jesus and his true identity. Messiah, Christ, Son of God, Lord of creation, Savior of the world. And so we ask a question, who are we, mere human beings, that Jesus cares for us? Who am I that he, the original sower of seed, scattered it so that it fell on me? This morning, we concentrate on how Jesus sows using a complete gospel. Do I stop myself and ask what sort of ground my heart is? How will the seed affect my life? Four different types of ground represent all of us, regardless of our culture, our race, our gender, social standing, age, and intellectual ability. How do we, how do I respond? Which ground am I? What will I be? Mark 14, 15 to 20 again. Let me read the word of God again. 
Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. Actually, I've missed. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word um, that was sown in them. Then verse 16, others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seed sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, and desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Let's review the gospel of Jesus. Jesus entered this world, his creation, as an alien. But his arrival was not from out of space. It was through the womb of a young virgin woman. Have we understood the Apostle Paul's statement in Colossians 2.9? For in Christ, the fullness of God lives in a human body. That baby in Mary's arms was and is creator, sustainer, and ruler of the entire universe. From his birth, it was announced that Jesus was on a mission. The angel said to Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. From his birth... Jesus lived as any human, but was not merely human. Jesus' mission, as we have sung today, was not to live but to die. Most around him thought that his death on the cross was God's judgment and that would be the end of Jesus. But that was not the end. It was a new beginning, the beginning of redemption. Jesus had finished what he came to do, and he shouted it out as best he could, agonizingly weak, hanging by nails. He said triumphantly, it is finished. And then he gave up his spirit and died. And as Jesus died, he was conquering the power of sin and death. And at this moment, the whole universe convulsed. Earthquakes struck, darkness fell, and most significantly, the curtain in the temple in Jerusalem was torn from top to bottom, signifying or symbolizing a new covenant, a new access to God. The redemption of human beings was underway. Three days later, to prove that all this was true, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus himself and what he did provides the foundation for the gospel. But the complete gospel comes 
through the Holy Spirit, with power and with action. It is holistic. It comes with word and with deed. It comes with faith, with love, and with grace. In Jesus' approach to mission, we find that the gospel is not only heard, it is seen. It is demonstrated. When we talk about presenting the complete gospel, we use this word holistic. It is the good news of Jesus in all its fullness, all of it, whole, complete. Jesus went throughout all their towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest himself to send out workers into his harvest field. Matthew 9, 35 to 38. First, Jesus goes to the people. He does not wait for the people to come to him. He went throughout all the towns and villages. That is an example to us. He went to the people with good news. He did not wait for me. He was proactive. Do I go to meet people in their place, in their need, to bless them like Jesus? He went into the places where the people opened up the scriptures, where they read the word of God, where the people were open to listen to what God might say to them. And so he read the scriptures and he taught the people about himself, that he is Messiah or Christ, Son of God, Savior of the world, Lord of the universe. He taught them this in the Jewish worship places, in their synagogues. And he comes to us the same way as we gather to worship, right here, right now. Here we are, hearts open to God, so that the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, takes this opportunity now, as we listen to God's Word, to speak into our soul, our life. Jesus did not just restrict proclaiming the good news of the kingdom to the synagogues. He teaches this everywhere. He lets people know that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, has arrived. He has arrived, and the world is in for the very best solution that we could ever hope for. The answer to our greatest problems, all our needs, small and large, has arrived. Jesus' saviour is here. And healing every disease and sickness. So, it is a gospel of word and deed. The good news is not just words.
It is a gospel about what Jesus says and what he does. So what does Jesus actually do? Jesus, the antidote for sin, for our proud, deceitful, shameful, lying, selfish, thankless attitudes. And I'm afraid we are all like this at heart, and it is useless to deny it. But Jesus, the only purely good human being who ever lived or will ever live on earth, has arrived. He is pure and uncontaminated because he's not merely human. He is at the same time infused with the very essence of God. Jesus said that anyone who has seen him has seen God. He is God in human flesh. To prove his claims, he did things. He miraculously healed every disease and sickness. Unlike anyone else, Jesus healed everything he laid his hand on. Everything. Whoever he commanded to be healed was healed. He didn't even require faith of the recipient. One day he healed ten lepers. Only one returned and said thank you. That meant nine proved themselves to be faithless and thankless. But Jesus healed them all regardless, proving himself to be son of God. What did Jesus see? He saw harassed and helpless people, like sheep without a shepherd, to lead them guide them, care for them, look out for them, protect them, provide for their nourishment, body, soul, and spirit. Certain people are gifted with power and position to do a job. When Jesus walked in Israel, there were people with influence who could help. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Herodians, the zealot revolutionaries, the Sanhedrin, the teachers of the law. But they weren't doing their job. They weren't helping the helpless. Instead, they harassed them. They were more interested in their own reputation or agenda or their own personal peace and prosperity. They didn't lift a finger to help. Their hard hearts are what Jesus saw, and he pointed it out all the time. Back to the parable of the sower and the seed. We have that one question to answer. Why did Jesus speak in parables? Knowing how all these religious, social, and political leaders had such hard hearts, Jesus used a way of communicating that went straight to people's hearts. Parables, parables highlight our spiritual condition, avoiding 
superficial intellectual debates that have no relevance to how we live. Jesus, therefore, spoke in parables. And this is what he said. Mark 4, 11 to 12. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. That is a very serious condition, to be left unforgiven. And if you have any questions regarding your spiritual state, please speak to someone here whom you trust today. Right, I'm going to ask Karen to come forward now, and we're going to continue together um, sharing about the ministry of CMCT. Imagine a young Kiwi woman sharing Jesus with the poorest of the poor in the slums of Chennai, India. If you've seen Slum Dog Millionaire, anybody? Good. You'll know the sort of places that Colling visited. Why did Colling do this? With a heart open to God's call on her life, at 24 years of age, Colleen graduated from the Bible College of New Zealand, now Laidlaw College, in Auckland. She left, India to, she left New Zealand to begin her work in India. And as a six-year-old, I watched Colleen leave on a ship bound for India. I held one end of a streamer that Colleen held at the other end until it broke as the ship left for, left for India. One of my earliest childhood memories and very impressionable. Colleen has just celebrated her 77th birthday, so she has been in India for 52 years. And for Colleen, a life of faith in God means that she has no regrets about the way she lives her life. She knows she's loved and valued, especially by God. She's a purpose for living, and this is Colleen's experience simply because she has joined God in what he is doing. She's joined Jesus in his mission. And the question is, have we? At the end of this presentation, Peter will briefly show some images from the recent Chennai floods that ravaged the city just before Christmas. And I will explain why CMCT work amongst the women and girls in India is so important. Thousands of examples could be given, but this morning we illustrate the Lord Jesus' complete gospel of holistic mission, and Colin actually uses that word herself, by showing how he continues his mission in this world through Christian Missions Charitable Trust, CMCT, Chennai, India. Chennai is a city of 8 million people, double NZ population, in the state of Tamil Nadu, South India. The ministry of CMCT focuses on the poorest of the poor in Chennai, 
And you will find that the work of CMCT follows the pattern of Jesus' own ministry. For the first 15 years, Colleen Reddit visited the slums of Chennai and personally reached out to very poor women and girls through girls' clubs, girls' rallies, and cottage meetings. And she taught women practical handicrafts to help them earn a living, caring for their social and medical needs, and always telling them the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. And this she did by visiting people in their own homes or inviting them into her home. Then in 1979, Colleen formed Christian Missions Charitable Trust, CMCT, with the objective of providing social care for the poorest of the poor in the city. And one of the reasons that we want to talk to you this morning is to seek prayer partners. We believe that God answers prayer. And CMCT is a ministry founded on prayer. Prayer support is part of the story of how Jesus Christ is blessing his mission in Chennai. And if you would like to join us in prayer, there is a sign-up sheet out in the foyer to receive these daily prayer notes from CMCT that Peter and I send out each month. And thank you very much for those of you. Many of you here already do pray, and we really thank you. And later on, we'll also highlight the way sponsorship of children from the slums of Chennai affects individual lives, families, and communities. And we thank God for what's happening in the lives of these children. There are over 25 ministries that CMCT is operating in Chennai, and all of them, we uplift, educate, build self-esteem and caring independence among the poor so that individual lives, families, and communities are transformed. But the United Nations or any humanitarian organization can do just that. So what makes CMCT different? Dependence on Christ is always stressed. It is the love of Jesus that CMCT draws on as its motivation for all that is accomplished. That gives glory to God. A key guiding principle for CMCT is this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That's been Colling's heart from her pioneering of the ministry. Now it pervades all that is done. Where there is no vision, the people perish perish. The English Standard Version translates Proverbs 29, 18 this way, where there is no prophetic vision, the people are discouraged, they cast off restraint. And CMCT is involved in transforming hopeless and helpless situations amongst the poor and marginalised in the large city of Chennai. Let's see some of these specific ministries and how they change lives. But first recognise that in a predominantly Hindu environment, CMCT makes it clear that the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ is what is most important to give people hope and purpose in this life, let alone in the life to come. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 and 15, for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced 
that one died for all. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. This is the true antidote to proud, self-centered, self-righteous living. Love for God and others. Produced when the Holy Spirit of Jesus comes into our lives, into our hearts. This is the spiritual core from which CMCT operates. It should be the same for all of us. Every one of us who might call ourselves Christian, Christ's one. It's all very well to say that we need to teach people to fish, then we feed them for a lifetime, rather than just feed them what they need for the day. But for the aged and disabled who are no longer employable and have no one to help, who live on the streets and whose family no longer cares for them, the soup kitchens are a must. And people are carefully screened by CMCT social workers so that they know these poor people are genuinely without resources. And at these soup kitchens every day, a nourishing midday meal, not of soup, but of curry and rice, are fed to these people in six of Chennai's slums. And during this time, the CMCT staff tell stories and share verses from the Bible, particularly about Jesus and his ability to save us from, a, from sin and a Christless eternity. And each month, CMCT teams also check on the health of these people and provide for medical needs as able. CMCT has its own hospital, and it provides services especially for the poorest of the poor. This building is the hub of CMCT, and it gives some idea of the scope of ministry that's being conducted. It has a 140-bed orphanage for girls. In this building, there's also a small hospital. There's specialised eye surgery unit. There's a dental clinic. There's a social services department. There's a large kitchen preparing hundreds, if not thousands, of meals daily. There's an HIV department. There's a handicraft training centre. There's a printing department, and there's more. There's also a chapel for worship and Bible study. But many other CMCT ministries like camps, schools, leprosy buildings, farming projects are in other locations in and around the city. Add to this 34 girls and boys rallies, clubs for children and young teenagers, that CMCT operates in different locations, slums, um, around the city, most, mostly jointly with, other, with local churches, and you begin to appreciate the effect of CMCT in the city of Chennai. And if you would like to read more about the 25-plus ministries of CMCT, please take one of these. They're free. It's a booklet on vision, faith, and action. So please take one of these. Social workers visit poor families in the slums, finding children who aren't able to attend school and organising sponsorship and schooling for them. And over 2,000 children are sponsored through CMCT and 500 are sponsored by Kiwis. 
And CMCT operates its own schools providing education for children from the slums. One project now complete was to rebuild a village destroyed by the 2004 Boxing Day tsunami. 140 new homes were built and a whole fleet of fishing boats constructed. And now a church has begun in this once purely Hindu village. No matter what's done on a practical and compassionate level, the gospel is always priority. God's invitation to receive eternal life through Jesus. Recently, there was a camp for young people from the village. 75 came and several gave their hearts to Christ. So the community hall on the edge of the village now doubles as a church, and Anthony, the pastor of Bridge Gospel Church, is supported by a farming project that CMCT has developed in the area. Since we were teenagers, Karen and I have prayed for Colling and the CMCT ministry. Six years ago, Karen joined the international board of CMCT, attending annual board meetings in Chennai, and she'll be there again uh, next month. As a volunteer, she spent hours every month serving CMCT in New Zealand. But from July last year, Karen and I have become part of the CMCT staff. CMCT has 340 staff. Um, Colling in India and Karen and I are three of the four non-Indians. The other one is a Scot in the UK. Since So, Karen continues to travel to India and attend these international board meetings. But around Colling, there is a very competent executive um, of Indians. And they meet with the international board uh, annually. The board comprises people from Britain, Canada, Malaysia, uh, USA, Australia, and New Zealand. And Colling at 77 years of age, has surrounded herself with a team with skill, wisdom, and that will provide for good continuity for her work. Peter and I organised 10-day mission awareness teams to India. We took one last November and we're planning to take one in November of 2017. So if any of you are interested, please see us about that. Okay, we're going to just show... Um, some, oh, you want to just mention this? Also, we have for sale copies of Colleen's autobiography for $15. And reading this has really inspired Peter and me to love and serve our Lord Jesus more, and I'm sure it will encourage you too. Okay. Some of you are aware of what's happened in Fiji recently, and that might be more on your heart. So as you look at these slides of what happened just before Christmas last year in Chennai, and I'll give a quick commentary as we flick through them, um, you may also consider um, what your response might be to Fiji. These photos of Chennai show the worst flooding in 100 years. Christian Missions Charitable Trust has been affected but is working hard to help in Chennai. All schools were closed citywide for four weeks. Um, and if they weren't flooded, they were refuges. Slum dwellers especially were often evacuated to schools. Many lost all their possessions, their whole dwelling washed away. And this included many families ministered to by CMCT. 
Poor drainage plus the fact that the reservoirs around the city, dangerously high, had their water released into the city meant that most of the city was under 1.5 metres of water. Rivers like open sewers overflowed, making conditions grossly insanitary. Besides loss of property and buildings, there were drownings. Disease and sickness, fatal oftentimes, is still an ongoing challenge. Chennai International Airport was closed for two weeks. Access in and out of the city of 8 million was severely restricted. Thankfully, um, floodwaters did not enter the main CMCT building, enabling them to keep on with their ministry. Boats replaced cars, giving limited opportunities to save people in desperate circumstances. Drowned bodies were found after being swept offshore, travelling hundreds of kilometres down the coast. Fifty families of CMTC staff actually lost their, all their possessions. Praise the Lord for generous Christians in New Zealand. Karen and I have been amazed at the response to the flood relief in Chennai at the beginning of this year. We have been personally involved with forwarding almost 100,000 New Zealand dollars. So we couldn't believe it in the last three months. Here, an overflowing river sweeps slum houses away. In November, Karen and I visited homes like these now swept away by overflowing rivers. CMCT staff has been rebuilding people's lives even when so much lost themselves. And medical teams have worked especially to keep people safe from disease. Buying, distributing food, basic clothing have been priorities. Local government, of course, has been providing help, but CMCT is making sure they are responsible to help the families they have been um, ministering to for years with the compassion of Jesus. Um, that's exactly how they want to do it. So in tragic circumstances, CMCT shows compassion through action to be good news to people. Staff intentionally give glory to God, saying that's the love of Christ that motivates them. People in desperate need are very receptive to genuine love. And now Karen's going to explain the effect of poverty on women and girls in India. And we're going to conclude with this. Well, how does one describe India? There are people, people everywhere. It's colourful. The traffic is crazy. It has blaring horns and motorbikes, motorbikes and more motorbikes. The people are friendly. Many of them are poor. The food is curry and rice. It's different to New Zealand and I love it. But like everywhere, it has its dark side too. There's so much human need in India. With a population of over 1.2 billion, poverty affects hundreds of millions of people there. Fact, there are 40 million more men than women in India. And even with India's huge population, 40 million more men than women is astonishing. And why this difference? One word says it all. Gendercide. Baby girls may be aborted just because they're girls, and unwanted newborn baby girls may be killed or abandoned and left to die. It's a girl can be three of the deadliest words in India. 
And why aren't girls wanted? First, in India, men are considered superior to women. And second, there's the expense of dowry that a girl's family has to pay the boy's family upon marriage. And poor families simply can't afford it, and it's out of desperation that girls are aborted. And third, in India, where there is little or no social security, parents look to their sons to support them in their old age. Daughters generally leave their parents and go and live with their husband's families and care for their husband's parents. And the consequences of having 40 million more men than women are an increased rate of rape and human trafficking. But there's good news, and CMCT is a small part of that. Christian Missions Charitable Trust provides the conditions for girls to not only survive, but to flourish. Little girls are rescued from being killed, and they're rescued not only to flourish on earth, but if they accept the gospel, they're rescued eternally. And it's for these reasons that I'm on the international board of CMCT, and Peter and I love being advocates for CMCT. Girls and boys, women and men, the poorest of the poor, and the outcasts, that's those with leprosy and who are HIV positive, in the city of Chennai are valued and honoured. And every opportunity is taken to share the good news of Jesus and his love for them. CMCT, I believe, is an essential organisation in the fight against child trafficking and gendercide and abject poverty. And two of the ways that it's part of the fight are through its Haven of Hope Handicraft Centre and its Child Sponsorship Department. And the Haven of Hope Handicraft Centre provides employment and training for women from the slums who've had no education and who are trapped in poverty. And the handicrafts that the women make are sold in India and throughout the world. And 100% of the sales goes back to the Haven of Hope Handicraft Centre to pay wages and to buy more materials for the women. And we don't have a physical shop in New Zealand and we're very thankful for churches like you who allow us to sell the handicrafts. And the Haven of Hope Handicraft Centre truly is a haven for these destitute women. And we can also make a difference in a child's life by sponsoring someone through CMCT. In 2013, my sister Fiona came with me to India, and she was really moved by seeing how much sponsorship helped children from the slums, and she told one of the social workers she wanted to sponsor someone. And they took her to meet the little girl she was going to sponsor, and the girl's mum just threw her arms around my sister and cried and said, now my girl can go to school, thank you. And Fiona visited her a year later and she was really pleased to see that she was looking healthier and was flourishing in school. So we have children who are needing to be sponsored and it's $50 a month if this is something you're interested in. Last November, we were part of a team from New Zealand visiting some of the sponsored children in their homes. And all of us agreed that there wasn't one child who didn't deserve to be sponsored. They all lived in a tiny house with just one, perhaps two rooms. They all shared a communal toilet with quite a few families and 
in their ha- in their homes is where they studied and cooked and washed. They were all so thankful for their opportunity for their kids to go to school, and the kids really work hard. Christian Missions Charitable Trust, CMCT, was formed with the objective of providing social care to the poor, destitute and needy of the city of Chennai. And today, CMCT exists to preach the gospel and uplift the poor. And I think it's doing both very well. Thank you. Thanks very much for the opportunity to share with you this morning.